I'm Tom Morello, host of Maximum Firepower, a weekly podcast focusing on the music, the moments, and the movements that have shaped my worldview and left an indelible mark on me as an artist and activist. Correct with Maximum Firepower. You and me. This is Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. I'm Tom Morello, and this is Maximum Firepower. My guest today is Tim McElrath, the lead singer and activist of Rise Against, fellow Chicago rocker. Hello, Tim. How are you today? Hello, Tom. Good to be talking to you. I believe when we first met, and correct me if I'm wrong, but at least my first mm. memory of us meeting was at a festival show somewhere in Europe, where right. you and your bandmates were describing to the members of Rage Against the Machine who were standing around how, like, mm. at a Thanksgiving, like, the relatives were having a difficult time parsing out Rage Against the Machine, Rise Against, <laughs> and Against Me. <laughs> those three bands. Yes. In, like, in some elderly relative's mind, those three bands, were, you were, like, in all three of those bands. <laughs> <laughs> That's always been, like, the joke with our band, too. I don't know if we just weren't smart enough to anticipate that when we named the band <laughs> or it's like, but I remember not thinking about it when we did. And then when we started the band and we're tooling around the country in a van, stopping at gas stations. And when a band stops at a gas station, it's obvious they're a band. Like everyone right. knows, you know, and everyone knows. Everyone knows. Yeah. And it's not obvious to you where you're like, how did they know? And then you look back, you're like, of course we were a band. So they'd ask you like, what band are you? And we'd tell them, well, we're in Rise Against. And they would all, it would always be like, oh, I've heard of you like Rise Against the Machine. And it's like, well... No, <laughs> you know, and then we were like, wait, did we name our band the wrong name? What are we doing here? So it was always kind of like, especially, <laughs> in our, especially in our younger years. And you guys weren't really playing at all around That's the time right. we started. That's right. You know, you guys were, That's right. I guess this space is clear right now. We'll just we'll take over here. <laughs> yes, and, then, yes. and then, of course, you were playing and then we'd be playing together. And I'm, yes, know, yes, yes, yes. Et et you, you thought it was safe to have an R word, like a radical <laughs> R word, and then the word against in your totally. band. We were always surprised there wasn't already a punk band called Rise Against. Like, how did that not yeah. happen? Like, we're going to sell records just based on the name alone, you know, That's at right. least. That's, yeah. Until you know, they find you know, out we're not good, you know. I don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're going to they're mm -hmm. give you the benefit of the doubt based on mm -hmm. the name alone. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I remember that festival, though, we met in, like, Austria, I want to say. We had that conversation, and yeah. then um, I remember we were talking about Judas Priest that day because uh -huh. they were playing. And I remember thinking, because you couldn't see this, but I could see it, Rob Halford was walking up behind us and behind you. And, like, we were talking loudly about Judas Priest, and, he, and here he was coming. And I remember thinking, like... Wait, what's the protocol here? Do we yeah. like we were, we weren't saying anything bad. We were like, no, I mean, we, there's we were, no possible way we could have been right. saying anything bad. Yeah, we yeah, were yeah. we were celebrating them, you know. Yes, and I remember yeah, he just yeah. walked by, you know, and you never saw him because he was right behind you. He walked by, and I'm sure like he's just like those guys are just loudly talking about Judas Priest. I'm, 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 I'm right here. <laughs> I'm right here. I'm right. Wow, yeah, that's yeah. Fan, that's fantastic. It's nice that yeah. I know that there are, you have some staunch metal stalwarts in your band. So let's talk for a minute. One of the things that, that Tim has always been great. There, I have a list, and it's a short list of activist musician friends when like the bat signal goes out into the sky and there is a charity cause or there is an activist cause or there is a good deed that needs to be done with three chords in the truth that they always say yes you are on that list sir you okay, are on that list right. you are on that Happy list you are there. on that list you've you've shown up for so much up but one a very memorable occasion where you showed up was in 2011 when there was the union uprising in Madison Wisconsin and mm -hmm. I was home. My wife was about to give birth to our second child. And I mm -hmm. saw on the news in this town of 100,000 
ish people. There were 100,000 people in the streets protesting. Governor Scott Walker was like jerking around the teachers union. I was like, I'm not sure what's happening there, but I know I have to go there now. So don't have that baby just yet. (laughs) And I called some of my friends in the region, including yourself uh, Mm. and Ike Riley. I think Wayne Kramer flew out with me. On a dark yeah. and stormy night, we went up to Madison. And so what are your memories of that? Because it's really one of the highlights of my combo musician activist. Career. Yeah, it was like, was it middle of winter? And this was yeah. all happening in Wisconsin. And I think you were, like gave me a shout out and said, like, yo, I'm going to go to Madison. And I was like, well, if he's coming to Madison from L.A., like, I can get in the Subaru and drive up there, I guess. That's, you right. Know? <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and so I remember it being like a, it was a pretty, like even for winter, it was like a pretty serious storms around that time. And I remember driving yeah. up there and I met you guys late the night before you'd already, you guys had already, you'd already been inside the rotunda. I think that's and right. That's right. You already had done a few different things. And then I got there late and we were kind of walking around the rotunda. Somebody let you in, but not the rest of us. And I remember, and then we got into the bar across the street where we started hanging out with just like the locals. And it was, yes. and one of the things about Wisconsin too, I feel like it's less easy to like identify or stereotype or judge a book by its cover. That's, exa- that's exactly the story I was hoping you were going to get to. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Right. Uh, maybe you yes. can tell it better, but I remember we met a guy there we and did. it was like, we had a blast. We did. We did. Well, we were, I had, I had just been in the rotunda and this was like, it's hard to, this was before Occupy Wall Street and the, it was like a peaceful invasion of a Capitol building right, where yeah. students and teachers and firefighters. But one of the big, most surprising things about the whole event was like the union policemen were delivering pizzas to the anarchists, you know, on the floor of the rotunda because they were mm. all uh, for the union together. It was very, it was right. a su- surprising dose of solidarity. So anyway, I found you guys in the, in the bar afterwards and we mm. were sitting around looking very much like guys in rock bands at you know like like, <laughs> yeah. like spot the guys in rock bands in the, in the skinny black jeans and there were these mm-hmm. big you know like a big wisconsin man like heavy set right. hacker fan right white dudes loud dudes at the bar and mm-hmm. and we're like i'm like when you're when you're on tour you know that that could that can go any different direction yep, that can go any different direction. and i'm not sure what the, they <sighs> whether they beelined it over to us but they, i think somebody came over and said like what are you doing here and right. we were honest and we said we came here to play for the protest tomorrow and they were like right fucking on man like we're gonna be there too we're like i hate that fucking governor he's trying to jerk the unions around round of drinks for these guys yeah i totally remember that yeah, yeah, and we hung out late, and they told they yeah. told their stories and how some of the like the Green Bay Packers had you know come and expressed their yeah. support. It was you know a snapshot of a little bit of the world that you hope to one day be everywhere. <laughs> yes, know? yeah, totally. You're reminded of the things that unify us. You know what I mean? That's right. Like people tell us that we're separate, that we're divided, and that you know we're on different sides of issues. And then you meet somebody who you're like, you know, this guy wants to take care of his family. He wants to be respected as a laborer. He wants to be treated fair, you know, he wants and to be all. treated fair. And, yep. and we, and we came there to be the soundtrack to it. And so yeah. in, that, in, the, in that moment, like we were all kind of on the same team, which seemed like a very sort of common sense place to be where you kind of cut through the noise and you're like, yes, let's fight for this. Let's stand up for this. In my memory, that guy was like Paul Bunyan too. He was just he like was towering. Huge. He right? was towering. <laughs> okay. He was towering. He was, yes, a, he was okay. like, he was two or three men in one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He, and he was loud and it was great. Super loud. Like, Super everything loud. he said, he was like, he said it with a mighty fist. It was, I don't know. It was <laughs> he great. Did. He did it <laughs> yeah. with, a, with a mug of ale, a mug of a- absolutely. mead. Absolutely. 
I was like, this, this is Wisconsin. This this guy should be on the, this guy should be on the flag, you know? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So then the next day, it might've been the coldest day in the history of Wisconsin. I mean, it was like, it was, it was so freezing. And we were watching some of the speakers, like the firefighters were speaking, some, the political people were speaking, and then it was going to be time for our concert. And each Mm -hmm. of us was playing three songs. That was the idea. Each would play three songs and we would watch each successive artist. I believe that you were the most successful of all of us in this regard (laughs) was was I called it the Frostbite and Freedom Tour because you'd watch right. and the first song the person would be able to play their guitar and sing their song. The second song you could feel you could see that their hand uh, they yep. couldn't feel the strings anymore. Right. And by the third song it was just like it was an, an absolute mess. You yeah. however did some like deft finger picking. I don't know what songs you play but but you <laughs> like you you you, you must have you, you like called on your like Chicago uh. DNA to like power through <laughs> power through it. On my set, I didn't, by the second song, I didn't, I had dropped my guitar pick and didn't even know that I had dropped it. <laughs> and there's video, there's video oh. evidence of this too. But anyway, what That's, was your take on Yes. It? The weather was insane and the, and you, and you, the way it hits your extremities, you don't think about it, but you've got to take your gloves off to be able to play a guitar. At that point, this was like, you know, 10 years ago now, I've been doing a lot of stuff with, you know, my band rides against, but I hadn't done a lot of stuff just on my own without my guys to support me. And as you know, it's a whole different beast, you know? It's a whole different but beast, yeah. It took me a little while to figure out how to ride that beast. And, like, that was a moment where I was like, oh, man, like, okay, I see the crowd. I can do crowds. Uh, I have an acoustic guitar. All right. I guess I can play some Rise Against songs. And so I had a plan in my head to play some Rise Against songs. And I kind of looked at the crowd, and I realized, like, this isn't my, like, punk rock Rise Against crowd. These are, like, this is the union in Wisconsin. These are laborers. These are people. I looked out, and I was like, they're not going to really no rise against song much less care about it and at the very last second i decided to play ohio by yeah, neil yeah. young which i didn't think about was a little bit more of a finger picky kind of song yes. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow like god willing like i got through i don't remember even knowing where my hands were on that thing but i remember getting a reaction like i knew that yes. crowd yes, would there, like it was, that it's song a, it's a classic rock cl- crowd and they're they're like first of all this is a guy who you know he's from a they, they may have who knows which of the rise against rage against or mm-hmm. against me that you're you're probably on the, right. but they're like this guy has traveled here to support right. us and he's rocking a classic rock jam they were all in <laughs> they were all in so how has being from chicago affected your work and your perspective on your work I've thought about this question. It's interesting because growing up in Chicago, I feel like there's a lot of music that was happening around me that was never very careerist in a way, you know, because you didn't like being here in Chicago. There are no delusions of grandeur, you know, like there are none. There are none. And if they're like, if you want to get famous or successful, you got to move to a coast. You got to go to New York City. That's right. You got to go to L.A. You got to get out. So the rest of us that stayed, we're just kind of like having our own party and like playing music and just having fun. And That's so right. it kind of, the focus was always just on the music and what we were doing. There was not a lot of, like, we weren't hustling. We weren't trying to get in front of labels and that kind of thing. And I felt like that sort of dovetailed with, like, a lot of, like, punk rock and hardcore ideology that I was getting into in, like, the late 80s and early 90s. And then I think that sort of has always stayed with me, you know, like, here yeah. in Chicago, because it's still not really like that, at least in my peripheral, you know? Yeah. There still is, like, this sort of, very homegrown thing, but then very different sounding bands, you know, I mean, yes. a lot of cool stuff that comes out of here, a super supportive group of people that all, you know, have survived one winter after another and are still <laughs> yeah. here yeah. to tell the tale. And so I think in that way, Chicago has sort of like always been a part of me. Like I'll always, I mean, I'm here now. I still live here and I'll always have a foot in it and I take it with me wherever I go. 
Uh, <laughs> did any of your, because I believe this is very much true for myself, that I'm not sure if you're principally Cubs or Sox, but we've been to Cubs games together. Uh, right. for, for me, a part of my identifying with the underdog on a global scale I believe came from some osmosis as identifying with the underdog of the Chicago Cubs growing up. Did you have any <laughs> pinch of that in you? Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, I'm a Sox fan, born yeah, and yeah, raised, yeah. which but is like, which is which has an underdog, which is sort of like the underdog uh, of the uh, underdog. You know? so, I, so I'm glad that you said that because I was yeah. going to say that. You know, that's kind of yeah. what it felt like because the Cubs have been the underdogs of like baseball for a long time, and also the Cubs. People identify with the Cubs. I didn't realize till much later in life that the Cubs, those games were all sort of franchised out to different networks that didn't have a baseball team. Yes. T- yes. TV channels, yes. radio. I mean, even up until we just did a record in Nashville a couple of years ago and I drove my car down there from Chicago. So my radio station settings were still set on the Chicago settings and I was getting Chicago radio. I was getting the Cubs games down in Nashville, Tennessee, like in my car. Yeah. And then I talking to my producer, he was like, yeah, I, I Nick Raskulinix actually. He's like, I grew up in Knoxville. And I watched the Cubs games. We didn't have a baseball team in Knoxville. And so the Cubs, you, you saw their reach was far outside of Chicago, yes. you know, which was really cool. And then they were this, so they were like this, like almost like this global underdog. Yes, they and, were. And, yeah. and then the dirty secret underneath that is that Chicago had its own underdog. That's correct. It even, wasn't, it is a dirty secret. It is, it's, yeah, and the, even the one, underneath. Really, like the only thing that Cubs fans had, you know, for like 108 years of of, of like desperate losership, was that there was one team in Chicago that people like, like, like everyone cared about us, and we were losers, and it's bad. But at least right. there's the Sox that nobody cares about. You know, like that was like, right, sort right. of like. I remember when the the White Sox, who had had a long World Series drought themselves, that no one paid attention or particularly cared about, when the the night the Sox won the World Series, I was in Libertyville. I was actually up in, mm. in Libertyville, and I was in a yeah. bar there, and there was a guy, like a Sox fan, done, done up in his Sox gear, and the bar wouldn't put the game on the TV. <laughs> <laughs> That's he's what like, you gotta love about he's like, Chicago. Love he's like, what's wrong, what's wrong uh, with you people? Like, it's like, the Sox are gonna, and like, and like oh, I, don't, I, I suppose there's some, you know, European rugby matches on, too. We're not gonna watch those, either. <laughs> uh, I was just watching a Sox game yesterday, and, the, and when you can see the crowd behind the batter sometimes or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. there was it was at Sox park and there was a guy just dressed in full cubs regalia at the game like he made yeah. that decision <laughs> you know it was just, like, so, like Sox versus tigers it wasn't the crosstown yeah, classic yeah and like he oh showed my up gosh the, that's, so but funny. that's how that's what chicago is like it's like one side or or the it other is. and it's interesting it too is. growing up as a Sox fan too i felt like i was always sort of in the minority you know cubs sure. fans were yeah. sort of, and so yeah. I became a Sox fan, I guess, just because my dad was a Sox fan, you know, yeah. and so we were Sox fans in the house, and now my kids are Sox fans, but there are times, and it's sort of changing this year, but we're like, my kids, or even I felt like, dad, why can't we be Cubs fans? Like, everyone's a Cubs fan. Like, I feel like I'm the kid at school yeah, who's we wearing the Sox hat, but everyone's yeah. got the cool Cubs stuff on, you know, and I feel like my right, kids were sort right. of like that at certain points, too, in their life, and now they're kind of like, you know, they hold their fist up high and they're like angry Sox fans like the rest of us. So. Oh, that's <laughs> angry. Yeah. yeah, Sox fans are, <laughs> it is angry Sox. Cubs fans are like totally dismissive of that. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. even, doesn't matter at all. But Sox fans are like, we're the better one. We're like, is there another team here? Like it's hard to yeah, know. Yeah. It's hard. Like, it's super, that's super funny. I'm Tom Morello. You're listening to Maximum Firepower. My guest is Tim McElrath, the singer of Chicago's own Rise Against. 
All right, so so <laughs> oh, not too long ago on the uh, on my Atlas Underground record, you and I did a song with Steve Aoki called "How yeah. Long," and it actually was one of the songs that got the most traction on the record. And it was very interesting, kind of how it came about. I was trying to make a record that was like an alloy between my Marshall Stack analog riff rock firepower and melding it with some EDM elements to sort of see what the guitar would be in that kind of alloy and. I reached out to you, Steve, Steve Aoki and I had a track that otherwise thought it was just like a slamming track. And I reached out to you. So tell me your experience of like getting that phone call and what you thought. And Yeah. Jeez, I, I was home from tour and you hit me up and you, and you said you were doing this song with Steve Aoki, who I was like, I was vaguely familiar with Steve Aoki, yeah. you yeah. know, but I wasn't, I got familiar with later on as we worked together and I thought, okay, well, this should be interesting, <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah, let, yeah, 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 let yeah, me but, hear it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember you sent it to <laughs> on, me. On paper, we, on paper, you were not convinced. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't, I'm not sure what I can add to this, but let's see what yeah, happens yeah. here. And I remember actually listening to you had sent me, it was, it was all over just like text messaging too. Yeah. And I'm listening to it. And I immediately had ideas in my head and I went right to my basement. And I think I was just like, I think I remember just blowing my voice that night, just trying to like go through these ideas in my yeah. head. And that's, that's when you know, like, if you don't have to work hard for an yeah. idea or a song, that's when you yeah. know, okay, I might, I might be on to something if, like, I'm not trying, if, if I'm not sending you 10 ideas, right, you know, right, right, in right. I was like, this is how it should go. And then it just made a lot of sense. And when a song makes sense, you don't, you no longer think about the genre. You no longer yep. think about the instruments that are being used or, like, the world you come from, the world Steve comes from, the world I come from, you know. It's now just like, oh, this is cool. This is just a slamming song. Yeah, it was, and I got to tell you, like, I rocked that song all over the world, and I was opening up for Muse at stadium shows in England, and, like, it just tore the place apart. I just got to tell you, like, it, was, awesome. it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> it was just awesome in these, you know, these huge uh, songs. Yeah, you know, I've done it with Aoki great, uh, once at his club in Vegas. It was yeah, actually a fun oh night. We gosh, played yeah. uh, punk rock bowling in Vegas at, like, 10 that night, and Steve came out on stage and did a minor threat song with us. And when he finished, he goes, yo, I have this thing at 1 a.m. at this club in Vegas. I do a residency. We should go do Morello's song together, you know? And so I remember it was the weirdest thing to go from, you know, and that, that's Vegas, too, yes. right? You, to go from punk rock bowling, like this sweaty parking lot, and then going into his nightclub at like 1 a.m. where there was like, you know, a whole different crowd. Yeah. And then I'm there I am like standing yeah. on top of his turntables, you know, just like singing <laughs> that song. And I remember him saying like, he goes, listen the vocals are already in this track. I can't take them out, you know? So if you, if you're, if you already yeah. played a show tonight and you're done, you don't, you don't need to sing them. And I was like, all right, maybe I won't then. But then he gave me the microphone and the microphone was active. Cause it's the one he uses to like hype the crowd. And I ended up just singing the song. Just like, I couldn't lip sync it. It was like one of those songs <laughs> where like, no man, like this is, this is a good song and I want to sing no, it. No, no. What are you going to do? Like while your voice is singing. Yeah, so it's probably just yeah. two of me That's being, awesome piped into this unsuspecting vegas dance crowd you know that's awesome well, well check if, you, if, if, if you're listening you haven't checked it out check out the song how long off the atlas underground record all right so you, in, during the pandemic times you have re-engaged with academia <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i told you yeah um <laughs> yeah <laughs> we made a new record it's called nowhere generation it's supposed to come out last summer but you know so when pandemic happened yeah. we had just finished making it and for me after i make an album I usually go into this like post album emotional collapse where I just draw the curtains and you know, you're just spent from the exhaustive energy you've spent. And so that emotional collapse coincided perfectly with lockdown. So I was like, all right, well, I was going to be doing this anyway. Mm -hmm. And then once yeah, I got yeah. out of that, I was like, not ready to like create again. I just like, I feel like we just made a record. I wasn't ready to like pick the guitar back up again. And so I thought, well, instead of talking, like I want to do some listening. 
And so that's when I realized this is a great opportunity to go back to school, which I had left as a junior when the band kidnapped me and took me on tour for the next 20 years. And so I just picked up where I left mm -hmm. off at the same school I was at in Chicago. It was all remote learning. I signed up for a bunch of courses. And I just started biting off way more than I could chew. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is real. Yeah, yeah. Those, are the, yeah. those are the three things <laughs> yeah, that happen. Like, yeah, I yeah. sympathize with yeah. my kids all of a sudden a lot more because they're on Zoom calls all day, too, like doing their stuff. And, yeah. and I'm actually still in classes now with a, a, very, a much smaller course load as like glimmers of hope on the horizon tell us that we might tour again. Yeah, I was very impressed by how diligent you were in hitting the books when we talked earlier. In conclusion, let's talk a little bit about rock fatherhood, mm. something that uh, we, we both experience, and and there's there there are challenges and rewards mm. to that. Um, so I like I like sort of your general take of of rock fatherhood and where you're and where you and your kids are at with music and your career and their lives. Um, and then secondarily, I understand that your kids' school crushed my hometown Libertyville in water polo lately, and that you have like some stellar water polo star in your family that humiliated the yeah. wild. Don't yes. feel bad about being yeah, humiliated by my daughter's high school. Cause they've been humiliating <laughs> the entire state so far. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're undefeated. They still are to this day. And it's a pretty exciting I, yeah. water polo is one of those sports I was not familiar with, you know, which I think is one of the reasons cool. why she chose cool. it. Cause it was like, I couldn't talk to her about swinging a baseball bat. I couldn't talk to her about playing yes, soccer yes, or whatever. Yeah. So she had her own thing, which her own thing apparently is just, girls trying to beat each other up underwater to get goals. <laughs> it just, it's violent and it's crazy and I don't understand all the rules and I don't understand yeah, what's happening yeah. all the time, but all I know is they're really good at it, you know? <laughs> is there, yeah. And it's also, <laughs> and you're a supportive yeah, and as a parent, yeah. I'm not sure if your kids are into soccer yet. They Those are really long games. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and, and I guess you're out in LA, so it's different. I'm out here like, and it's, sometimes it's snowing for 90 minutes while you're outside. Mm. And so the idea that mm. uh, there's a sport that you can be, that can be played like in this climate controlled environment, it's pretty yes. short game, you know, you're in and out, you know? Yes. Nice and warm I was like, and where humid. Was this sport like yeah. 10 years ago. And so yeah. for me as a father yeah. in rock and roll, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because I'm actually, I'm looking at the exit. My kids are right. teenagers. I know you, I know you just walked into the room relative, relatively, you know, like R I right, had kids right. very young. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was like 25, but it was when the band was just starting, you know? And so I went through a lot of those early years being gone for just a whole hell of a lot of it, you know, like way too much of it, mm, mm -hmm. which was like, you know, difficult for me. And it was, the band was still struggling. And so I didn't have the money to be able to fly home on a day off or fly the family out, those kind of right, things. Right. I also thought, what the hell am I doing? Like being in a band, it sounds like a really irresponsible thing to be doing, you know? And so it's one of those things that I had questions about. And now, you know, it's been a lot of fun. I've been able to take them on the road, introduce them to like my favorite bands. And, and now I'm looking at like the exit of fatherhood, you know, like I only have like five more years before like my youngest yeah. like is like out the door. And that's like a whole different chapter. Wow, yeah. I didn't even think about like the empty nester part of the whole thing, but like, that's kind of like, yeah. <laughs> that's what's happening next for me. Yeah. That's gotta, that's gotta be challenging. Yeah. It, for me, it's like my youngest is a rocker, awesome. you know, like he's an excellent mm. guitar player and the pandemic is like with you and academics for him, it so was cool. the guitar, you know, that he, he gravitated toward. I never pushed it on him, but we started with stairway to heaven, like early on, like maybe no week way. two. Cause I knew that I knew that he kind of knew that song and we, I was just so gentle about, it. I didn't want to push it. I was like, let's just learn like the first three notes of stairway mm -hmm. to heaven. And then he thought that was cool. Like it sounded just like the record when he learned the three notes and we, you know, we had plenty of time, but we made it all the way through stairway to heaven. Then we learned the live version off the song remains the same record, which is super long. And then the, and the solo and all of that. And by then there was an, like, 
making an investment and he was sort of off on his own doing it. So it's pretty, that's incredible. To, I love to, to hear that. that. The next generation. Yeah. To have, yeah. Yeah. My, my oldest son, he could care less about any music that I've, <laughs> that, that describes in, both think, my daughters, think, just so you and know. So, <laughs> and I think that's healthy. And I think that's, yeah, and I think yeah, that's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it is what it is. Like, you know, they, I love that my kids are passionately into music. Like the fact that the music they're passionately into, like I'm not into is fine. It's okay. You know, like, so I, yes, it's, a, there's a, it's supposed like, yeah, to be that in, way. In yeah, a way, yeah. you're right. It's supposed to be. So like when they were young, we, I took them to the Justin Bieber shows and the Taylor Swift shows. and the, But we found artists that we both liked, like Lord, you know, or we'd find like Billie mm-hmm, Eilish sure, and stuff like that. Sure. And so all yeah. that stuff has been, that's been eye-opening for me because I don't, I never anticipated going to those shows, you know? And so I find right, right. different things out of like those shows like, oh, this, this song is cool or what they did on stage there was cool, you know? Yes. Tim, thank you very much. It is a pl- it's yeah. always a pleasure talking with you. And uh Stay as warm as you can, and you may have one or two more winners before uh, before. (laughs) third, fourth, fifth. It's all coming. (laughs) I hope that uh, you know soon there will be live music again, and that we'll be able to share stages. And whether it's whether it's at the barricades or at some festival show Mm -hmm. in Orlando, I hope that we're able to uh, to rock. I'm chomping at the bit. Until next time, take it easy, but take it. Let foes of justice tremble. This has been Tom Morello's Maximum Firepower. Hear this episode again or listen to past shows right now on the SiriusXM app. Search Maximum Firepower.